Section twenty eight of the Chouans by Honore de Balzac. Translated by Ellen Marriage. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Bruce Peary. Chapter three M. Meanwhile, Mademoiselle de Vernoy and Francine were pondering devices for saving the Marquis from Corentin's dubious generosity and Hulot's bayonets. I will go and warn him the little breton maid cried mad girl do you know where he is i myself with all the instincts of my heart to guide me might search a long while for him and never find him after devising a goodly number of the wild schemes that are so easily carried out by the fireside mademoiselle de vernoy exclaimed when i see him his peril will give me inspiration like all vehement natures she delighted in leaving her course undecided till the last moment trusting in her star or in the ready wit and skill that seldom deserts a woman perhaps nothing had ever wrung her heart so violently before sometimes she seemed to remain in a kind of stupor with her eyes set in a stare sometimes the slightest sound shook her from head to foot as some half-uprooted tree quivers violently when the woodman's rope about it drags it hastily to its fall there was a sudden loud report in the distance as a dozen guns were fired mademoiselle de vernoy turned pale caught francine's hand and said i am dying francine they have killed him they heard the heavy footstep of a soldier in the salon, and the terrified Francine rose to admit a corporal. The Republican made a military salute and presented Mademoiselle de Vernoy with some letters written on soiled paper. As he received no acknowledgment from the young lady to whom he gave them, he said, as he withdrew, They are from the Commandant, Madame mademoiselle de vernoy a prey to dark forebodings read the letter which hulot had probably written in haste mademoiselle so it ran my counter have seized one of the gars messengers who has just been shot among the letters thus intercepted is the one that i send which may be of some use to you etc heaven be thanked it was not he whom they killed she cried as she threw the letter into the fire she breathed more freely and eagerly read the note that had just been sent to her it was from the marquis and appeared to be addressed to madame de goix no my angel this evening i shall not be at the vivetiere and this evening you will lose your wager with the count for i shall triumph over the republic in the person of this delicious girl who is certainly worth a knight as you must agree this is the only real advantage that i have gained in the campaign for la vendee is submitting there is nothing left for us to do in france and we will of course return to england together but serious business to-morrow the note slipped from her fingers she closed her eyes and lay back in absolute silence with her head propped by a cushion 
after a long pause she raised her eyes to the clock and read the hour it was four in the afternoon and my lord is keeping me waiting she said with savage irony oh perhaps he could not come said francine if he does not come said marie in a smothered voice i will go myself to find him but no he cannot be much longer now francine am i very beautiful you are very pale look round mademoiselle de vernoy went on might not the perfumed room the flowers and the lights this intoxicating vapour and everything here give an idea of a paradise to him whom to-night i will steep in the bliss of love what is the matter mademoiselle i am betrayed deceived thwarted cheated duped and ruined i will kill him i will tear him in pieces oh yes there was always something contemptuous in his manner that he scarcely concealed but i would not see it oh this will kill me what a fool i am she laughed he is on his way and to-night i will teach him that whether wedded to me or no the man who has possessed me can never forsake me afterwards my revenge shall be commensurate with his offence he shall die in despair i thought that there was something great in him but he is the son of a lackey there is no question of it truly he has deceived me cleverly even now i can scarcely believe that the man who was capable of giving me up to be a miche without mercy could condescend to trickery not unworthy of scapin it is so easy to dupe a loving woman that it is the lowest depth of baseness he might kill me well and good but that he should lie to me to me who had set him on high to the scaffold with him i wish i could see him guillotined am i so very cruel he shall go to his death covered with kisses and caresses which will have been worth twenty years of life to him marie said francine with angelic meekness be the victim of your lover as so many another has been but do not be his mistress or his executioner in the depths of your heart you can keep his image and it need not make you cruel to yourself if there were no joy in love when hope is gone what would become of us poor women that we are god of whom you never think marie will reward us for having submitted to our lot upon earth to our vocation of loving and suffering little puss answered mademoiselle de vernoy as she stroked francine's hand your voice is very sweet and very winning reason when she takes your form has many charms how i wish that i could obey you you will forgive him you will not give him up hush do not speak of that man any more 
corentin is a noble creature compared with him do you understand me she rose to her feet her wild thoughts and unquenchable thirst for vengeance were concealed beneath the dreadful quietness of her face the very slowness of her measured footsteps seemed to betoken the fixed purpose in her mind in an indescribable way devouring this insult tormented by her own thoughts and too proud to own to the least of her pangs she went to the guard-house in st leonard's gate to ask to be directed to the commandant's lodging she had scarcely left the house when corentin entered it oh monsieur corentin cried francine if you are interested in that young man save him mademoiselle will give him up this wretched paper has ruined everything corentin took up the letter carelessly where is she gone he inquired i do not know i will hurry after her he said to save her from her own despair he vanished taking the letter with him hurried out of the house with all speed and spoke to the little boy who was playing about before the door which way did the lady go when she went out just now galop chopin's son went several paces with corentin and pointed out the steep road which led to st leonard's gate that way he said without hesitating faithful to the instinct of vengeance that his mother had inspired in him while he was speaking four men in disguise entered mademoiselle de vernoy's house but neither corentin nor the little boy saw them go back to your post the spy said look as though you were amusing yourself by turning the latches on the shutters but keep a sharp lookout in every direction even upon the roofs corentin sped in the direction pointed out by the child he thought that he recognized mademoiselle de vernoy in the fog and as a matter of fact he came up with her just as she reached st leonard's gate where are you going said he offering his arm to her you look pale what can have happened is it fitting for you to go out alone in this way take my arm where is the commandant she asked him mademoiselle de vernoy had scarcely finished the sentence when she heard a reconnoitering party moving outside st leonard's gate and soon distinguished hulot's deep bass voice among the other confused sounds tonnerre de dieu he exclaimed i have never seen it thicker than it is just now when we are making the rounds the ci-devant seems to have the control of the weather what are you grumbling at said mademoiselle de vernoy as she grasped his arm tightly the fog can hide vengeance as well as perfidy commandant she went on in a low voice it is a question now of taking such measures in concert with me that the gars shall not escape us this time is he in your house he asked and there was a troubled sound in his voice that showed his astonishment 
no she replied but give me a man that can be depended upon and i will send him to you to warn you of the marquis's arrival what are you doing corentin asked with eager haste a soldier in your house will scare him but uh, a child i will find one will not awaken suspicion commandant mademoiselle de vernoy resumed you can surround my house at once thanks to this fog that you execrate post soldiers about it in every direction place a picket in st leonard's church so as to secure the esplanade which is overlooked by my windows post men on the promenade itself for though my window is twenty feet from the ground despair sometimes gives strength sufficient to overleap the most perilous distances listen i shall probably send this gentleman away through the house door so you must give the task of watching it to none but a brave man for no one can deny his courage she said heaving a sigh and he will fight for his life goudin cried the commandant the young fougeret sprang forward he had been standing in the midst of the knot of men who had returned with hulot and who had remained drawn up in rank at a little distance listen my boy the old soldier said in low tones this confounded girl is betraying the gars to us i don't know why but no matter that is not our business take ten men with you and post them so as to guard the blind alley and the girl's house at the end of it but you must manage so that neither you nor your men are seen yes commandant i know the ground well my boy hulot went on i will send beaupier to you to let you know when the moment comes to be up and doing try to tackle the marquis yourself and if you can kill him so that i shall not have to try him first and shoot him afterwards you shall be a lieutenant in a fortnight or my name is not hulot here mademoiselle he said as he pointed to goudin here is a brave fellow who will flinch from nothing he will keep a sharp lookout before your house and whether the ci-devant comes out or tries to go in he will not miss him goudin set out with his ten soldiers do you clearly understand what you are about corentin murmured to mademoiselle de vernoy she made him no answer with a kind of satisfaction she watched the men start under the orders of the sub-lieutenant to post themselves on the promenade and yet others who in obedience to hulot's directions took up their position along the dark walls of st leonard's church there are houses adjoining mine she said to the commandant surround them also let us not lay up matter for repentance by neglecting a single precaution that we ought to take she is mad thought hulot am i not a prophet corentin said in his ear the child i shall send to the house is the little gars with the bloody foot so that he did not finish mademoiselle de vernoy had suddenly darted away towards her house whither he followed her 
whistling like a happy man when he came up with her she had already reached her doorstep where corentin once more found gallop chopin's son mademoiselle he said take this little fellow with you you could not have a more guileless and active messenger then he breathed so to speak the following words into the little lad's ear when you have once seen the ga within the house no matter what they say to you run away come and find me at the guardhouse and i will give you enough to find you in bread for the rest of your life corentin felt his hand squeezed hard by the young breton who followed mademoiselle de vernoy now my good friends come to an explanation whenever you like cried corentin when the door was shut if you make love my lord marquis it will be over your own shroud yet corentin could not bring himself to go out of sight of that fatal house and betook himself to the promenade where he found the commandant busily giving orders night soon came on two hours passed by and still the different sentries distributed at their posts had seen nothing that could lead them to suspect that the marquis had come through the triple line of men who were watching from their hiding-places along the three sides of papago's tower by which access was possible corentin had walked from the promenade to the guard-house a score of times and each time his expectations had been disappointed and his young messenger had not yet come to find him plunged in deep thought the spy strolled slowly along the promenade undergoing the martyrdom to which three terrible conflicting passions subjected him a victim to love ambition and greed of gold it struck eight on all the clocks the moon rose late so that the scene on which this drama of his own devising was about to come to a crisis was wrapped in appalling gloom by the darkness and the thick fog the agent of police managed to suppress his passions he locked his arms over his breast and never took his eyes off the window that stood out above the tower like a gleaming phantom shape whenever his steps led him to the side of the promenade nearest the valleys along the brink of the precipices he mechanically scrutinized the fog with the long pale streaks of light flung across it here and there from some window among the houses in the town or suburbs above or below the fortifications the deep silence that prevailed was only troubled by the murmur of the nonsense by melancholy sounds at intervals from the belfry or by the footsteps of the sentinels and the clank of weapons when they came to relieve guard hour by hour everything men and nature alike had grown solemn it is as dark as a wolf's throat piamiche remarked just then go along replied marcheterre and keep as quiet as a dead dog i scarcely draw my breath the shoe retorted 
if the man who let a stone roll down just now wants my knife to find a sheath in his heart he has only to do it again said marcia terre in so low a voice that it mingled confusedly with the murmur of the nonson why it was i said piamiche well old money-bag creep along on your belly like a snake or we shall leave our carcasses here before there is any occasion for it hi marcia terre the incorrigible piamiche began again he had laid himself flat on the ground and was using both hands to hoist himself on to the path where his comrade was and now he spoke in the ear of the latter in so low a voice that the shuans following behind did not catch a syllable that he said hi marcia terre if we are to believe our grande gasse there is a glorious lot of plunder up there will you go halves listen piamiche said marcia terre as still flat on his stomach he came to a stop a movement imitated by the whole troop of shuans so exhausted were they by the difficulties of their progress up the steep sides of the precipice i know you for one of those honest grab-alls who are as fond of giving hard knocks as of taking them when there is no other choice we have not come here after dead men's shoes it is devil against devil and woe to them that have the shorter claws the grande garce sent us here to rescue the gars that is where he is look lift up your dog's head and look at that window up above the tower it was on the stroke of midnight as he spoke the moon rose and the fog began to look like pale smoke piamiche gripped marcheterre's arm violently and pointed out without making a sound the gleaming triangular blades of several bayonets some ten feet above them the blues are there already said piamiche we have not a chance against them patience replied marcheterre if i looked into it thoroughly this morning there should be somewhere about the base of the papago's tower and between the ramparts and the promenade a place where they are always heaping manure one can drop down onto it as if it were a bed if saint labre would turn all the blood that will be shed into good cider the fougere people would find a very ample supply of it to-morrow remarked piamiche marcheterre laid his great hand over his friend's mouth then the muttered caution that he gave passed from line to line till it reached the last shuan who clung aloft to the heather on the schistous rock as a matter of fact corentin was standing on the edge of the esplanade and his ears were too accustomed to vigilance not to detect the rustling noises made by the shrubs as the shoewinds pulled and twisted them and the faint sound of the pebbles that fell to the foot of the precipice below marcheterre apparently possessed the gift of seeing through the darkness or his senses had become as acute as those of a savage by being constantly called into play 
He had caught sight of Corentin, or perhaps he had scented him like a well-trained dog. The diplomatist spy listened intently to the silence, and scanned the natural wall of the schist, but he could discover nothing there. If the hazy, dubious light allowed him to see a few of the Shuans at all, he took them for fragments of the rock, so thoroughly did the living bodies preserve the appearance of inanimate nature. The danger to the troop did not last long. Corentin's attention was called away by a very distinct and audible sound which came from the other end of the promenade at a spot where the buttress wall came to an end and the sheer face of the rock began a pathway that ran along the edge of the schist and communicated with the queen's staircase also ended at this point just where the rock and the masonry met as corentin reached the spot a form rose up as if by magic before his eyes, and when, feeling doubtful as to its intentions, he stretched out a hand to lay hold of the being, phantom or otherwise, he grasped the soft and rounded outlines of a woman. "'The devil take it, good woman,' he muttered in a low tone. "'If you had happened on anyone else, you might have come in for a bullet through your head. Where do you come from? Where are you going at this time of night? Are you dumb?' "'It really is a woman, at any rate,' said he to himself. Silence was growing dangerous, so the stranger replied in tones that showed her great alarm. Oh, I am coming back from an up-sitting, master. It is the Marquis's make-believe mother, said Corentin to himself. Let us see what she will do. All right, go along that way, old woman, he went on aloud, pretending not to recognize her. Go to the left, if you don't want to be shot. He stood motionless, till— Seeing that Madame Dugois turned in the direction of the Papago's tower, he followed her at a distance with diabolical cunning. While this fateful meeting was taking place, the Shuans had very cleverly taken up their position on the manure heap to which Marcheter had guided them. "'There is the Grande Garce,' muttered Marcheter to himself, while he shuffled along the side of the tower as a bear might have done. "'Here we are,' he said to the lady. "'Good,' Madame de Gouin replied. "'If you can find a ladder about the house or in the garden that comes to an end about six feet below the manure heap, the gar will be saved. Do you see the round window up there? It is in a dressing-room that opens out of the bedroom.' and you must reach it. This side of the tower, at the foot of which you are standing, is the one side that is not surrounded. The horses are ready, and if you have guarded the ford of the Nanson, we ought to have him out of danger in fifteen minutes, in spite of his folly. But if that wench tries to follow him, stab her." 
Corentin now perceived, through the gloom, that a few of the vague shapes which he had at first taken for rocks were moving stealthily. He went at once to the guard at Saint-Léonard's gate, where he found the commandant fully dressed, but sleeping on a camp-bed. "'Let him alone,' Beaupier said roughly to Corentin. "'He has only just lain down.' "'The shoe-ins are here!' cried Corentin in Hulot's ears. "'Impossible! But so much the better,' said the commandant, heavy with sleep though he was there will be fighting at any rate when hulot came to the promenade corentin pointed out to him through the darkness the strange position occupied by the chouans they have either outwitted or gagged the sentries that i posted between the queen's staircase and the castle exclaimed the commandant by jove what a fog it is but patience I will send fifty men and a lieutenant round to the base of the cliff. We must not set upon them from above, for the brutes are so tough that they will let themselves drop to the bottom of the precipice like stones, and never break a limb. The cracked bell in the church tower struck two, as the commandant came back to the promenade, after taking the most stringent measures a soldier could devise for surprising and seizing Marcheterre and the Chouans under his command. Every guard had been doubled, so that by this time Mademoiselle de Vernoy's house had become the central point about which a small army was gathered. The commandant found Corentin absorbed in contemplation of the window that looked out over the Papago's tower. "'Citizen,' said Hulot, addressing him, "'it is my belief that the ci-devant is making fools of us all, for nothing has stirred so far.' "'There he is,' cried Corentin, pointing to the window. "'I saw a man's shadow on the curtains.' but i do not understand what has become of my little boy they have killed him or gained him over look there commandant do you see it is a man let us go tonnerre de dieu i am not going to arrest him in bed if he is in there he is sure to come out goudin will not miss him replied hulot who had his own reasons for delay come now commandant in the name of the law i command you to advance instantly upon the house you are a pretty fellow at all events to think to order me about the commandant's wrath did not trouble corentin you will obey me he said coolly for here is an order drawn up in due form and signed by the minister of war which will compel you to do so he drew a paper from his pocket. Do you really think that we are fools enough to let that girl act according to her own notions? We are stamping out civil war, and the greatness of the end in view justifies the littleness of the means employed. I take the liberty, citizen, of sending you to— You understand? That is enough, then put your best foot foremost and let me alone and do it in less than no time read this first said corentin 
don't plague me about your business cried hulot furious at receiving orders from a creature in his opinion so despicable galop chopin's son started up between the two at that moment like a rat out of a hole in the ground the guy is going he cried which way along the rue saint leonard beaupier hulot whispered to the corporal who was standing beside him run and tell your lieutenant to approach the house and to keep up some nice little file firing upon it do you understand file to the left and march towards the tower the commandant shouted to the rest of the men end of section twenty eight